You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, October 21st. 2022 people. I hope everybody's doing. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for the FFE, the fun Friday edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We are going to open a little bit of a follow-up from Thursday's show where we talked about the chaos at Alabama. But specifically today, I want to talk about the Jermaine Burton situation. Alabama star wide receiver seen on video striking in some form or fashion a female Tennessee fan. Nick Saban says it's handled internally. Nick Saban says this is why we can't have fans on the field. Is Why is no one outraged about this except for me? I don't, I don't do outrage very often. This feels like one we should be pretty mad about. We'll discuss that. Did Nick Saban go too light on him? From there, we will get to the week eight slate in college football. A little bit of a lighter slate. No Georgia, Michigan, USC, Florida, Kentucky, Arkansas playing this weekend. Auburn as well. But some really good games. LSU Ole Miss, UCLA, Oregon, Syracuse, Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma State, on and on and on. And from there, we wrap with America's favorite segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Really fun segment this week. I got a lot of stuff right. Hate to brag. Also got a lot of stuff wrong, too, as well. Really quickly, before we get started, do want to remind you of a few quick things. One, want to thank our presenting sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. I have told you their story. Love telling it. Started in 1967 in the UK, one of the top, if not the top and most trusted sports books in Europe, 1,600 shops in the UK. They have come to the United States and made a major splash. The presenting gambling sponsor of the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals, the De- uh, Colorado Rockies. Oh, by the way, what I love about them, nobody does more for their betters than Betfred Sportsbook. First pitch of the Rockies game, uh, sweet at the Cincinnati Bengals game. As I've told you many times, We got two listeners of the Aaron Torres pod in the Denver area to the VIP tailgate prior to the Broncos game a few weeks ago against the Colts. And here is what they're going to do for you today. Two things, because they love you that much. One, the first thing, first time users bet 50 on any game this weekend, college pro, 
What are we talking about here? Oklahoma State, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, whatever you want. Uh, if you want to bet on the pros, we got a Bears-Patriots uh, uh, Sunday night, Monday night game, whatever. Got a couple intriguing games across the NFL. Bet 50 on any game. Get 250 in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. But this is what they're going to do on top of that. I have a Betfred boost. The Aaron Torres boost. Hate to brag. Kind of a big deal over there. The boosted odds are this. LSU minus two and a half. I like him against Ole Miss. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Bet any amount. Get plus 110 odds on that bet. So great deal. Boosted odds courtesy of Betfred Sportsbook. Tell them Torres sent you. The Betfred boost courtesy of Torres. It is LSU minus two and a half. I will give details later as to why that is my official pick. Really quickly, should mention this as well. Want to thank our other sponsor, Bracket Fanatics. Bracket Fanatics is the sponsor of our Aaron Torres NFL Pick'em Challenge. And I've told you about this before. If you have not made your week seven picks, shame on you. If you have not signed up, double shame on you because... Bracket Fanatics is just giving away cash, okay? This is what you got to do. Go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. It's free to enter, and they are giving away $100 weekly cash prizes to the winner. All you got to do, just pick every single game, winner and loser. No point spread, no this, no that. Bracket Fanatics, BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket Torres. Weekly winners get $100 in free cash. The week six winner, I should mention, Ryan Lerman with 12 correct picks out of 14 games. Shout out to Ryan Lerman. Also, if you have, also I should mention season long. I mentioned the hundred dollar weekly winners. Now we have a season long thousand dollar cash prize as well, all courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. Bracketfanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket name is Torres. If you've already entered, make sure to make your week seven picks so you're entered to win that hundred dollar weekly prize. And if you have not entered yet, it is not too late to enter. Automatically will be entered to win the weekly prizes as well as the season-long $1,000 cash prize courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. Tell them Torres sent you. BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket name Torres. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day really to me is a continuation of a conversation that we had on Thursday's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast about the state of Alabama football. And if you remember on Thursday's show, we led with this idea of something just is not right with Alabama football. Uh, we had the weird Will Anderson comments about, you know, the team having anxiety coming out of the tunnel, just not something you would normally hear from an Alabama football player. We had fans all week long blaming the refs for why Alabama lost when he had 17 penalties against the best offense in college football. You gave him 130 free penalty yards. And we also talked very briefly about the video of Jermaine Burton, Alabama wide receiver, having some sort of physical contact walking off the field with a female Tennessee fan. We talked about it. I told you to go watch the video, but there is video of Jermaine Burton, wide receiver, Alabama, a female Tennessee fan walks by him. And I don't know exactly what he did. The video is grainy, but it appears as though he at the very least pushes her, shoves her, whatever term you want to use. And if you want to take it a step further, we don't know, but there's a possibility. Is it a punch? We don't know. But there was some kind of physical altercation. And I was thinking about that as I finished recording, because as I finished recording, Nick Saban announced what Jermaine, Jermaine Burton's punishment would be. They said on, on Thursday mo or Wednesday morning, they were collecting facts. 
Wednesday night, Nick Saban says, we are going to handle things internally. But then he also said, and I think this is important, he basically deflected blame and said, this is why we shouldn't have fans on the field after games. And so I think everybody kind of knows where I stand on all this stuff. No, one, I'm not opposed to fans being on the field. Yes, I understand that it, it presents a risk to both fans and players. I get all that. But at the same time, we also have pretty indisputable video of an Alabama football player at best shoving a female Tennessee fan, at worst, potentially punching her. And all we got from the coach was it's going to be handled internally. Uh, We shouldn't have fans on the field. That's that. And nobody has said anything. And so I will generally say this. I, it's not often that something happens in sports that I feel like is undercovered, but I feel like this is being totally undercovered. I don't think the media is doing a good enough job of asking tough questions, of, at, of holding Nick Saban accountable. And I'll just ask a pretty straightforward question. Is Nick Saban getting a pass for how he is handling the situation? And I want to be fair, fair and I want to kind of look at it from both sides. And what I would say is a couple things as it pertains to kind of the fans on the field interaction. Um, I do understand that I'm not anti-fans rushing the field, but I do understand that when fans do rush the field, it sets up a scenario where you have this. You have 85 football players on the field. There's no way you can get all 85 guys to the tunnel without any interactions with fans at all. And one thing I would say that I've come around on over the last couple of years is the idea that just because you don't like a football player and the jersey that he's wearing or a basketball player and the jersey that he is wearing, doesn't mean he can say whatever you want, and it certainly doesn't mean he can do whatever you want, uh, push, shove, dump stuff from the tunnel. I mean, we've seen that in the NBA over the last few years, dumping uh, popcorn, throwing beer, throwing stuff on the, on the court of play, Kyrie Irving a few years ago. And so I have come a long way in terms of my thoughts on you got to once you're a fan, once you enter that field of play, especially if you enter that field of play, um, this kind of stuff happens. And then on top of that, what I would also say is that certainly if if you're not on the court of play, it doesn't give you a right to throw stuff, do stuff, this and that. And what I would finally say as it pertains to Jermaine Burton specifically, I do think it's important to note, like the video is a little bit grainy. Um, And again, we don't really know, is it a push? Is it a shove? Is it a punch? Is it a this? Is it that? So those are important contextual things. But I think on the other side, there are some important contextual things as well. One, while I am against any fans feeling that they have the right because they bought a ticket to push, shove, punch, throw stuff at players, this was not that on Saturday. The video is pretty vague. The video is not clear. But one thing that you can see, this young lady decided to walk to the side of this guy. Her, Her intention, it appears, I'm not claiming to put myself in her head. She did not appear to go on the field looking to start you-know-what with Alabama players. If you see it, she tries to walk by, and he reaches out to touch her. Go back and watch the video. This is not me being overly dramatic, trying to create some headline that isn't there. Go back and look. She tries to get out of the way, and he reaches out to her. So do not tell me that this is one of those, blame the fans, it's all the fans' fault, fans shouldn't be on the field. We can debate whether fans should be on the field, We cannot debate that from the video that we have, Jermaine Burton initiated the contact. And that's the second point. Jermaine Burton initiated the contact. We have video of an Alabama player physically touching another woman. And that's never okay. I think we all kind of understand that. That's never okay. And so this idea that everybody in the media is giving it a pass is just mind boggling to me. And I think I said it to lead this segment. I know we're only like four minutes into the show. 
I don't remember if I talked about it, but there are so few things in life that I am genuinely surprised by. And I'm not, by the way, I think most guys and girls, if you listen to this show, you know, I'm not Mr. Outrage, Mr. Get Mad About Everything. But most people in the media are. I mean, we live in a world where everybody is constantly outraged by everything, where everybody is constantly accusing someone of something, intentions, this, that, the other thing. And you have video of a football player physically touching, physically pushing, physically shoving, whatever it is, a female, and nobody saying anything. I was blown away. After I signed off, after I finished the show on Wednesday night, I assumed I'd go on Twitter, go on social media, and see people crushing Nick Saban, crushing Jermaine Burton. I saw next to nothing. And so one, first of all, let me say this. Yeah, shame on Nick Saban. I'm going to say it. He's the greatest coach of my life. He's the best to ever do it. He's the best probably that I will ever see. But at the end of the day, one, I'd like to know a little bit more about what you're planning on doing, okay? Or at the very least, this is what I would say. I would like to know what you know about Jermaine Burton, right? Because you said it's a disciplinary issue. You said you're handling things internally. So it's clear that he did something wrong. So for anybody that's trying to say he did nothing wrong, this girl initiated, this girl said something, this girl did that. Well, why are we disciplining him then? If she is 100% to blame, then at some point, probably he shouldn't be being held accountable. But it's clear he did something wrong. So one, from Nick Saban, I want to know what he did. But then two, on top of that, I also want to know a couple other things. What is the punishment? What is going on? Why do you feel the need to hold him accountable? And also from Nick Saban, can we forget the whole well, this is why we shouldn't have fans on the field. It had nothing to do with that. The video that we have shows Jermaine Burton reaching out and pushing this girl, shoving this girl, maybe even punching this girl, depending on how you view the video. And I don't even want to be overly dramatic, but I'm just saying we have clear video that something happened. So don't blame fans on the field. Don't blame the fans here because it's not the fans fault. She was going to celebrate. She was going to, I don't know, tear down a goalpost or do something on the field. She wasn't there to pick a fight with Jermaine Burton. Give me a break. Watch the video. She's stepping aside. And so if if he did something wrong, I think we need to know what it is. Two, I will blame the media on this one. Now, listen, I don't cover Alabama on a day-to-day basis. I understand there are relationships you have to maintain. And I understand being a beat writer ain't easy, okay? I, I, I It's a thankless job, especially covering Alabama, especially with Nick Saban, because you say the wrong thing, you're going to get yelled at, whatever. But at the same time, Nobody thought to ask any of these follow-up questions. Nobody thought to say, well, what exactly is internal? Is that a game? Is that a season? Is that a this? Is that a that? Because the one thing I'll tell you is this, and I don't mean to be overly dramatic about this, but I was talking to somebody about this on Thursday morning. If that video literally comes from anywhere else, Jermaine Burton shoving a woman, If that video comes from anywhere else, if it comes from a bar, if it comes from a nightclub, if it comes from a restaurant, if it comes from walking the street, Jermaine Burton's probably off of the team and maybe never playing football again. And so the idea that we don't even bother to ask, like, oh, what is the punishment? Oh, is he going to be back? Like, is he going to be back in the second half this weekend against Mississippi State? Is he suspended at all? Does he have to run stairs? Because to me, this is kind of a big deal. You have an Alabama player, again, physically touching a female. Tennessee fan. And I'm sorry. Like, I need better than we're going to handle this internally. I'm not saying Nick Saban has to kick him off the team. I'm not saying the kid should never be able to be able to play again. But again, if this video comes out somewhere else, isn't the punishment probably a little bit different? Isn't the outrage a little bit different? And this is the frustrating part about me. 
frustrating part about the media, excuse me. One thing about me, I try to be fair on both sides. I mean, I've obviously been as complimentary of Nick Saban as anybody that I've ever talked about on this show because all the guy does is win. But I'm not going to give him a pass. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that just because he's Nick Saban. He messed up here. And I, by the way, I talked about it in May with the Jimbo Fisher stuff, and I'm not comparing one to the other. But when Nick Saban screws up, I, I, I call him out on it, and I'm doing the same here. And so it is just amazing to me that in this outrage culture that we live in, that, that, that we have this video and nobody thinks to like ask tough questions or call out Nick Saban or call out Jermaine Burton. It is so bizarre to me. I don't get it. It is like mind numbing to me that this is not a bigger deal than it is. And I do think that Nick Saban is ultimately getting a pass for how he's handling this. Whew. All right. I had to get that one off my chest because I just think there's sometimes on this show, guys and girls, you know, listen, and I remember in the summertime, I'll give you a good example. I remember in the summer, um, I, I was really the only one like going in on why are more people not upset that Brittany Griner is stuck in a Russian prison. And there are just some times that I see things and I just don't understand that they don't get the coverage that they should be getting. Brittany Griner was one several months ago. And this Jermaine Burton thing is too. Like, I, I just don't get why like nobody's asking any tough questions about it. It seems very strange to me. I do not get it. I just do not get it. I just want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. When I come back, let's start to preview the week eight slate in college football. A little bit lighter. A uh, bunch of teams are on buys, but we still have a few good games. Want to discuss some of that. And then you know how we'll end the show. Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Um, let's get to some more fun stuff. A little serious topic to lead the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. But there are games on Saturday and they need to be discussed. Now, to be clear, this is going to be a little bit of a different Saturday. Okay. We are later in the year. This is week eight. We are officially at the halfway point of the season, and why I bring it up is because there's a lot of good teams that are on buys. Georgia's on a buy. Florida's on a buy. Michigan's on a buy. No USC, no Arkansas, no Kentucky. So the quantity of really good games isn't as big as it usually is. I do think the quality of about three or four of them, though, are really good. So let's get into it. And where I want to start is, you know, I don't know if this is the biggest game of the weekend. I would argue that probably Oregon UCLA is, and we'll get to that one in a minute. But before we do, I, I do want to start with LSU Ole Miss. LSU actually is a two and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. They will be my Betfred boost. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But before we get to it, I had a thought about this game, just a big picture thought on what happens if LSU wins. 
if LSU wins this game, and it's going to sound crazy, I think it's officially time to admit that Brian Kelly is ahead of schedule at LSU, that Brian Kelly is probably going to work at LSU. And what I would also say, if LSU wins this game and they improve to 6-2 and two, and they get the victory over top 10 Ole Miss team, I think we you better, if you're not a Brian Kelly guy or girl, you better be ready because this guy's going to win a lot of games over the next couple of years. And what I would say about just Brian Kelly in general, and I've done this spiel before, forgive me. I don't really get why everybody likes him. Now, I have a little bit of a different perspective for one simple reason. When I was at UConn, back in the old days of Big East football, remember Big East football, Syracuse, Pitt, Cincinnati, UConn, whoever else, West Virginia? So Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati kind of at the time that I was kind of transitioning out of UConn. And I've always had a great deal of respect for him because he came from Central Michigan. Cincinnati was already a good program under Mark D'Antonio, was the head coach. He obviously went to Michigan State. And Brian Kelly just took him to another level. It was like overnight they went from really good to, oh my goodness, that team is awesome. And so I always thought he'd be good at Notre Dame. I always respected him. I thought he'd be good at Notre Dame. He was very good at Notre Dame, maybe the best coach of my lifetime at Notre Dame. And yet all he ever got was crap. It was like, oh my goodness, Brian Kelly, uh, you know, this guy can't win big at Notre Dame. It's like nobody could win big at Notre Dame. I've said it a million times. It's a small Catholic school in Indiana with real academic standards and no natural recruiting base. Forgive Notre Dame for not being able to beat Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson because nobody can. Yet in his final few years at Notre Dame, this is what he did in his last four seasons at the school. 12-1 12-1 and one college football playoff, 11-2, and 10-2 college football playoff, 11-1 a season ago, uh, in which, by the way, they were the fifth team in the college football playoff rankings. He had already bolted for LSU. And so, listen, I'm not sitting here saying he's the, mo- he's the perfect human being. I don't love how he left Notre Dame. I don't love how he left Cincinnati a decade ago. But what you cannot argue is this guy's coaching chops are through the roof. He won at the D2 level. He won at the group of five level. He won at the power five level at a really tough job in Notre Dame. No tough relative to people expect them to compete on a national level without the, you know, they can't do the same things that Alabama and Ohio state and Georgia can in some capacities. And so I bring it up because I've never really understood the, the angst or anger at him, by the way, how is Notre Dame doing without Brian Kelly? Uh, they're four and three and just got destroyed by, or they didn't get destroyed, but they lost to a bad Stanford team last weekend. Never understood the disdain. And I think if he wins this weekend, they are officially ahead of schedule. Because think about the roster that he inherited at this time last year when he decided to leave Notre Dame for LSU. When he decided to leave Notre Dame for LSU, this is what he walked into at LSU. He walked into a 6-6 six and six team that went 3-5 and five in the SEC. And if you remember, the last time LSU took the field before Brian Kelly officially became the head coach, they played in a bowl game where they had like 40-something players healthy and in uniform on scholarship healthy enough to play. They lost to Kansas State, but it doesn't change the fact that this place was a mess. And you guys and girls know I love Coach O. I've always loved Coach O. But he left that place kind of a disaster. And so you look at what Brian Kelly inherited. You look at the fact that he had to take like 25 transfers, that he got in late, and you look at this roster that he has right now. By LSU standards, I would argue this is probably one of the worst rosters of this century, okay? Think about it. Transfer quarterback, Jaden Daniels was good, but he wasn't elite. He wasn't elite at Arizona State. He wasn't incredible. He was fine. You go back to what he did last year at Arizona State. uh, How about 
65% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Forgive me. That's not exactly uh, Johnny Manziel in his prime there, okay? So you have a transfer quarterback that threw 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions last year. You are currently, and I think this is important. Brian Kelly talked about this this week. He's starting two freshmen at the offensive tackle spot in the SEC. Good luck with that. They lost their best pass rusher to start the year, Mason Smith, and they're currently sitting at 5-2 and two, hosting a top-10 Ole Miss team. And so I'm not saying they definitively win, although I think they win, and I'll explain why in a second. But if they go to 6-2 and two this weekend, here is their resume. 6-2, and two, matching last year's season win total. Four and what would that be? Four and one in the SEC. Last year they were three and five in the SEC, meaning no matter what they do, they've already surpassed last year's win total on a roster that he inherited 40 something scholarship players, 20 plus transfers, and he's turning water into wine with this group. I know that Florida isn't great, but they destroyed Florida last week. They had another special teams miscue. Anthony Richardson had one big run. They still win by double figures. They probably should have won by about three touchdowns. They beat Auburn at Auburn. They beat a good Mississippi State team at home. And so I look at this floor, this LSU team. They're not perfect, but they're not supposed to be perfect. It's Brian Kelly's first year. If they beat Ole Miss, I think it's time to admit that he's ahead of schedule because at worst, you're realistically probably looking at seven and five because the remaining the remainder of their schedule is as follows. After this one, they get a bye. They host Alabama. We'll see what Alabama team they get. Then they go to Arkansas, UAB, and AM at home. At worst, they go seven and five, surpass last season's win total. Realistically, I think they can can win eight games. And if I had told you before the season, you're going to play at Auburn, at Florida, at AM, at Arkansas. You get Alabama and Ole Miss at home, and Florida State is better than we think, and you get to eight wins in year one under Brian Kelly. I'd say that's a pretty big success. So that is my Brian Kelly spiel. Now let's get into the game a little bit. And by the way, you know I'm going to run this back on Monday. And, you know, we're not doing where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong on Brian Kelly until next week. But uh, it, uh, you know I'm going to run that back if they do win. In terms of the game itself, listen, a couple things. I already kind of gave you the LSU explanation. I think part of this is on Ole Miss, too. Like I said, Ole Miss was actually a slight favorite coming in uh, when the when the, the odds were announced in the Betfred Sportsbook. They have flipped to LSU minus 2.5. And, and I think it's kind of an indictment on who is Ole Miss at this point, right? Yes, they're 7-0, but of their seven wins, five have come at home. Their only two road games were at Vanderbilt and at Georgia Tech. Not exactly the two toughest places to play, so this will be by far their toughest road test of the year. Um, and I look at Ole Miss, and, and you look at them, they're 7-0, five wins at home, two easy road games, and you look at the rest of the schedule. Go back to the Kentucky game. We talked about it the following show, 22-19 to final score. Kentucky missed Two PATs and a field goal was on the goal line with a chance to win, fumbles the ball late. Ole Miss probably should have lost that game, or at the very least, it should have gone to overtime where they had to win it there. And last week, they struggled against Auburn. I like this LSU team. I like the way they're playing. I like the way they're running the ball. They completely dominated Florida last week, even if the score doesn't indicate it. LSU is officially my best bet in my Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Odds Boost. So pay attention to that. Really quickly, some of the other games I want to talk about. I'll tell you, you know, listen. I know that those of you in SEC country thinks that nobody plays football outside of the SEC and maybe Ohio State and Michigan. I get it. I don't even necessarily disagree. If you're not fired up for Oregon, UCLA, I'm sorry, you don't like football because here's the thing. A couple things stand out to me about this game. One, both teams are really physical and really tough in the trenches, right? This, this idea that all West Coast football is finesse and it's soft and nobody likes to hit and nobody's tough and nobody's this and nobody's that. 
I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't apply to this one. Both teams are in the top 15 nationally in rushing. How about this? Both teams are in the top 15 nationally in rush defense coming into this one, which I find very interesting. What I would say about the two teams specifically, one, I, you know, we've talked a lot about UCLA, so I'll probably skip most of the real analysis on them. They are coming off a bye, as is Oregon. But Oregon's one of those teams. I think they've kind of been forgotten since opening week, and it's a shame because they've been playing really good football. Since that loss to Georgia, and we found out Georgia just might be really good again, they're 5-0, and and on top of being 5-0, and they're averaging 49 points per game in that five-game win streak. Now, they haven't played the best teams, but when you're averaging 49 games over essentially a half-a-season stretch, it means you're doing something right. And I'll give credit where it's due. Bo Nix may have finally found a home where they, uh, you know, put him in a position to succeed. 70% completion percentage, only three interceptions, 12 touchdowns. This guy's playing pretty good football. Now, in terms of the game itself, I will say this. As good as Oregon has been, what did I just tell you? They run the ball really effectively. Well, this will be the best run defense that they faced, that they have faced since Georgia. We know it didn't go well with Georgia. Um, but UCLA, I told you before the Utah game. I said they're tough. They're physical. This is not a, a soft West Coast team. UCLA is a top 15 run defense, and I think this is the toughest one that they've seen. Oregon has put up a lot of stats, but the defenses since Georgia have not been great. In their five wins since, they've beaten an FCS team in Eastern Washington, BYU, Washington State, Stanford, and Arizona. BYU, Stanford, and Arizona all rank in the bottom 20 nationally in rush defense, which means that basically they're, they're pretty soft up front. Ask Arizona fans. They, their defensive line gets gashed like a knife through hot butter. And so when I look at this game, I think UCLA is going to be able to dictate physicality. I know that Outson is a tough place to play. I like UCLA to pull off the third straight upset. Remember, they were an underdog against Washington, one at home. They were an underdog against Utah, one at home. They are a six-point underdog. I like them to beat Oregon or at the very least cover. The other thing I would tell you from the betting perspective, the over-under is 69 and a half. I think this is the best defense that UCLA has seen all year. I think it's the best defense that Oregon has seen since Georgia. So my hunch is that we get something like a 27-24 type game and the under hits with ease. 69 and a half points is a lot of points. I think this game goes under. Really quickly, some of the other games. You know, uh, you want to talk about an interesting one. Syracuse at Clemson. You know Syracuse is in the top 15 in the country right now? I am not making that up. Syracuse ranked number 14. They are the highest ranked team that Clemson has played all year and will play the rest of the year. They're 6-0 going to Clemson at 7-0. A couple things stand out to me about this game. You know, the first thing is Syracuse is kind of a, a cool story, okay? So one, Garrett Schrader is their quarterback. He was a guy that was recruited to Mississippi State to play under Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead kind of had that kind of RPO-ish type offense. Mike Leach comes in and it's clear he's just not the guy. Goes to Syracuse and finds a really good home. And listen, we talk so much negative about the transfer portal and I can be guilty of it as well. I've, I've had my moments where I, I go, you know, I get annoyed by the transfer portal. But this is a transfer portal success story, okay? Finds the right home. And he has just thrived, completing 70% of his passes this year. Uh, he is also, by the way, I should mention, on top of throwing 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, he is this team's second leading rusher, five rushing touchdowns. And they are a team that is really good at running the ball as well. Sean Tucker, almost 700 yards rushing in five games so far this season, or six games, I should say. Really quickly with Clemson, um, you know, 
Clemson's an interesting deal because what I didn't say about Syracuse, they're really good defensively. Now, Syracuse has caught some breaks along the way. NC State had to play a backup quarterback. Five of their six games have been at home. But you look at Clemson. This is a team that last week was outgained by Florida State. Uh, they're dealing with some nicks and bruises and bumps. It happens. They've played seven straight games without a bye. Their bye is next week. And I do sit here and wonder, can Syracuse keep it close? I think this is the best defense that Clemson has maybe seen all year. Clemson's defense is a little bit beat up. I would think that Clemson is going to win. By the way, here's the other thing too. Clemson has a bye next week. I do tend to think that sometimes teams, you know, kind of, I don't want to say play down to their competition, but but aren't fully focused the week before the bye. I like Syracuse to keep it close. I like Clemson to win the game. A couple other games, you know, Texas and Oklahoma State. How about this? Texas Open as a three-point favorite in the Bedfred Sportsbook. It is up to six and a half. And many of you are probably wondering, how is Texas favored by almost a touchdown on the road against Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State is ranked number 11 in the country. Well, a few things. One, Texas is really good. And I know they struggled against Iowa State last week. I get all that. But part of it from my perspective, I do think, is I think Texas was, one, it was just a weird spot. They come off the dominant win over Oklahoma. They come home, 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff. The stadium's half filled. They're playing the worst team in the Big 12 in Iowa State. Actually, I think Oklahoma's the worst team in the Big 12, so maybe the second worst team. And then the other thing is, they hit a crucial two-game stretch after the Iowa State game last week, at Oklahoma State this week, at Kansas State next week. And so Texas is in the mix for everything. They're in the mix for a Big 12 title game. I think they could, in, in theory, still make the college football playoff. I don't think they will. But if you get chaos, you talk about a Texas team that lost two games without their starting quarterback. If they run the table with Quinn Ewers, there's going to be a compelling case. So I don't think they put their best effort forward. I think Steve Sarkeesian probably tried to protect Quinn Ewers. But with Oklahoma State, here's the deal with them. They're sitting at 5-1. and one. I think everybody would sit there and say, oh, Oklahoma State, they're always so underrated. Nobody gives them credit. And generally, I would agree. But first three wins of the year, Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, whatever. Then they went at Baylor versus Texas Tech. That sounds impressive. You know, they got outgained by a substantial margin in both games, even though they won. They also got outgained last week by TCU in a loss. And so you look at this team. They have not played really good football once Big 12 play started. I don't think this defense, I know this defense isn't as good as last year. Last year, best pass defense in the Big 12. This year, the worst, 126th nationally. I think Quinn Ewers feasts. I think Texas wins at Oklahoma State. A couple other odds and ends games. You know, I would just say really quick, um, you know, I, I, you know, Alabama, Mississippi State. We've talked so much Alabama on this show. I don't really want to break it down. Alabama has dominated Mississippi State since Dan Mullen left. They won 49-9 to last year. But we, I just don't know what's going on with this Alabama team. Alabama's a 21-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. I have no strong opinion on this one. If Alabama gets the win, credit to them, good for them, whatever. But I just can't sit here and say, like, Alabama's going to dominate or Mississippi State. Like, it's just one I have no strong opinion on. I need to see it from Alabama. You know, it's funny. I went out with my buddy Ryan Fowler, tied 100.9 on Thursday. And he said, he's like, Torres, are we going to turn this around? I said, we could. We being Alabama, not we being me and him. But what have we seen in two years to make us think that they will? So to me, this is a stay away. I probably think Alabama wins, goes into the bye. Tough backstretch for Alabama, by the way, at LSU, at Ole Miss uh, to close the regular season. Obviously, they still have to play Auburn as well. Uh, the other big SEC game, Texas A&M at South Carolina. 
I think Texas A&M wins. They've dominated South Carolina in this series. South Carolina is 4-2. and two. Their wins are against a Kentucky team without Will Levis. South Carolina State, Georgia State, and uh, who's the other one? Charlotte. Not, a, not exactly a murderer's row. I think South Carolina loses Texas A&M. Couple ones in the Big Big Ten noon kickoff. Ohio State at Iowa or Iowa at Ohio State. Excuse me. Ohio, Ohio State's going to win. It's just by how much. They're a thirty-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. Iowa's a weird team. They play good defense. They play slow. If I was betting the spread, I'd probably lean Iowa plus thirty. But listen, would Ohio State winning thirty-eight nothing surprise me either? It would not. Penn State, Minnesota, obviously Penn State looking to bounce back. Minnesota, as we record, we don't know about the health and status of Tanner Morgan, their starting quarterback. So I'm going to sit this one out as well. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back, and I do want to wrap the show with America's Favorite Podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. We're going to come back. We're going to do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. This is a real good one. We're going to talk all sorts of good stuff. NFL, we're going to talk Zach Wilson. We're going to talk Amazon getting a Black Friday game. We're going to talk one basketball story. I got a lot of stuff right this week. I got a lot of stuff wrong as well. Going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with what has quickly become America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Yes, I stole the concept from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin every week does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Concept is pretty straightforward. Listen, nobody loves giving out hot sports takes more than your boy Torres. And when I get stuff right, you sure as heck know. Your boy Torres, oh, he is patting himself on the back every single time he gets stuff right. There's just one problem. I get a lot of stuff wrong, too. And that is why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, highlighting my best sports takes of the week, month, year, but also holding myself accountable for some of the worst sports takes. No, trust me, I've got a lot of them. Let's get to it. Let's wrap the week 
with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Where Aaron was right. Listen, I've been telling you for two years now, something is not right with Bama. I remember back to last year saying this, and Bama fans freaked out. You don't know what you're talking about. Trust the process. Trust Nick Saban, blah, 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 blah. And I'll readily admit that coming into this season, I did think last year was the outlier. This year, Alabama would get back to looking like Alabama. Then week two, they go to Texas. They probably should have lost. And I have been telling you since, something is not right with this group. I don't have the answer because if I did, Nick Saban would have the answer. And if Nick Saban had the answer, he would have the most talented team in college football, which Alabama is playing like the most talented team. But the bottom line remains, something is not right. And I think we saw it reach a fever pitch this week. Not only did Alabama lose to Tennessee, you have the fans out in the streets blaming the refs. You have Nick Saban blaming, uh, as we talked about earlier, blaming fans on the field for one of his players at worst shoving a fan or at best shoving a fan at worst punching a fan at Neyland Stadium. I don't know what's wrong with this team, but I have been telling you really since the middle of last year, there is something not right. They don't have the killer instinct. I don't know if it's the coaching staff. I don't know if it's the players. I don't know if it's a combination of all of the above. What I do know, this has not been a vintage Bama team since the end of 2020 when they had Mac Jones, when they had Devontae Smith, when they had Najee Harris, when they had Steve Sarkeesian calling plays. I don't know what's wrong, but it's been clear for a while. Something is not right. I've been telling you that for a while. Aaron Torres nailed that one. I can't believe I just called myself Aaron Torres, but I didn't know how to wrap that part, all right? Let's keep it going because where Aaron was wrong. Well, I'll tell you this. As right as I have been about Alabama, Oh my goodness, have I been dead wrong on Michigan, okay? So you go back to even the springtime. I said Michigan is going to suffer. They lost a bunch of talent. Why was Harbaugh out interviewing on National Signing Day? I was dead wrong early in the season, but then I was especially wrong last week, okay? Last week, I thought Penn State comes in. Penn State's competitive. Penn State has the chance to pull the upset late. Oh no, Michigan absolutely destroyed Penn State in Ann Arbor, final score 41 to 17. And as we discussed last week, it wasn't even that close. Listen, I don't know the last time I was this wrong on a team. I was wrong on them coming into the season. I was wrong on them when they made the coaching change. And I'll tell you this, I was wrong on them last week when they faced Penn State. Looking ahead, I'll tell you, I think this team, I don't know if they're as good as anybody, but they play such a unique brand. They are so physical. They are so tough. And if they can make that Penn State team look that bad, I truly believe this is a team that can beat Ohio State again, get back to the playoff, maybe win games there. I'm not saying that they do, but these are things that I think can happen. And even as recently as a week or so ago, I did not believe Michigan could do that. I'll be honest. I was just dead wrong on Michigan where Aaron was right. So I've been saying for years, I say, I believe that college football is the most under covered sport nationally. Now, if you live in Tuscaloosa, if you live in Knoxville, if you live in Athens, Atlanta, whatever, you're probably sitting there saying, what do you mean undercovered? Everybody talks about college football. What I mean is on the national stage, I just don't believe on the main talk shows, on the ESPN, FS, I just don't believe people are talking college football enough. And that was confirmed this week when we had 17 million viewers watch Tennessee, Alabama. I will tell you this, that will be a higher-rated game, a regular season, mid-season college football game will be higher-rated than any NBA game all season long into the finals and maybe, frankly, outrate some finals games. Yet, I promise you, it is getting a scintilla 
of the coverage. Listen, the Alabama-Tennessee game has had so many layers with the loss, with the fans, with the refs, with Jermaine Burton. And yet I turn on sports talk all day on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're talking about the Lakers. We're talking about the Nets. We're talking about regular season NBA basketball. And I understand it was opening night. I get all that. But if people in my business really follow the numbers, about 10 times more people seem to care about Tennessee, Alabama than they did Nets Pelicans on Wednesday night. I still can't believe how little coverage it gets. Now, listen, that's slowly starting to change. There's a lot of great podcasts. There's a lot of great talk shows. But when you talk about the national shows, the biggest platforms in sports, I still think college football is grossly undercover. We had Tennessee, Alabama, 17 million people. And I turn on the TV on Thursday morning and people are talking about Nets Pelicans. Who cares? Talk more college football. That's why a show like this thrives. Where Aaron was wrong. So on Thursday's episode of the Aaron Torres pod, we talked a lot about college football, college basketball, excuse me, NCAA tournament expansion. And what I did say was nobody wants this except for the conference commissioners who are going to benefit the most by getting a 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th team into an expanded NCAA tournament field. Well, I will say I want to be fair on all things that I cover. And I have been surprised. There's actually a fair number of coaches who have come out in favor of tournament expansion. Jim Beheim has been in favor of tournament expansion forever, probably because his team's stunk for a decade plus now. He wants like 200 teams in. I don't think we're going to get there. But I saw Scott Drew wants the field, I believe, doubled to 128. I guess that'd be double of the 64. That would mean you'd play, what, two more games for each team? I don't like that. Not a fan of that. Um, I saw Dennis Gates, uh, Dennis Gates from uh, from Missouri said he wants an expanded field. And I do sort of get it from his perspective. He was at Cleveland State as a mid-major last year. They won the regular season. They did not get in because they lost in the conference tournament. So what I would say is I am a little surprised how many people are actually coming out in favor of it. What I would also say is this. One, I do think we're in the process of it happening. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I like it. But you just hear too many rumors, too many leaks. Greg Sankey is putting a bug in too many people's ears for something not to be happening. And what I would also say is, if we do expand, it's not going to happen. But my one concession, if we expand, I'd like to see more of those mid and small major teams get in. So if you win your conference regular season, this is who I want to get in if we expand the, the NCAA tournament. I want to see teams that win their conference regular season that don't win their conference tournament in the smaller conferences get in. It will never happen, but I will generally say I am very surprised at how many coaches, prominent coaches, like good coaches, people who voice matter, who are actually in favor of expanding the NCAA tournament. I think it's a terrible idea. I think 68 is great. Bigger is not always better. Yes, that sounds weird coming from the Air Torres podcast, but in the case of the NCAA tournament, bigger is not always better, and I do not think we need to expand the NCAA tournament. Where Aaron was right. So I have been saying for years, I said, I think the NFL is the best run business we have in America today right now. And what I've often talked about, the reference that I've often made is how the NFL just basically hijacked Christmas Day from the NBA. Remember NBA, Christmas Day. Then a few years ago, there was COVID. NBA wasn't sure if they were going to start on Christmas Day. NFL dipped its toe in, had a little Saints-Vikings game on it, got like 20 million viewers. Last year, they had two games on, on Christmas Day, and now going forward, the NFL just took over Christmas Day from the NBA. Well, earlier this week, 
The NFL announced that they are going to have a Black Friday NFL game starting as early as 2023. Point being, bottom line, listen, I get why Roger Goodell is not liked. He has messed some stuff up in the past. Ray Rice, whatever you want to talk about. You know, you could talk about whoever you want to talk about. But at the end of the day, Roger Goodell's job is to make the most money possible he can for his 32 owners. That's his only job, make the most money possible. He's done it with Thursday night football with that new Amazon package. We now have Saturday games. We now have Christmas Day games. Now we have a Black Friday game. Listen, we're going to get to a point. The NFL is just going to be on 365 days a year. It's going to be like that movie Basketball. Remember Basketball? The playoffs went on for like nine months. You had Al Michaels in the booth with his tie loose and getting a, a beard growing in. That's what the NFL is going to be at this point. But listen, man, you can like it. You can hate it. I give them credit. Where, where they see weakness, where they see opportunity, where they see a money-making venture, the NFL takes advantage. The absolute latest being with Black Friday football starting in 2023. Where Aaron was wrong. All right, so listen, let's go back to the 2021 NFL draft. That was the year of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. And one guy I was out on from the beginning was Zach Wilson. Said, I don't get it. If you remember, I said it often. BYU, that year, that was the year of the COVID year when the Pac-12 did not start games until November. BYU was the only team on the West Coast playing, and I remember saying at that time, they're the only team on at night. I've watched them every Saturday night at 1030. I don't see the number two pick in the NFL draft. And I've been very critical of Zach Wilson, uh, the quarterback of the Jets. Well, fast forward, and Zach Wilson hasn't been great, but he came back from injury, and the Jets are 3-0 and since then, including a win at Lambeau Field last week. Now listen, it's not all Zach Wilson. They have really talented defensive players on that team. I think Robert Sala is starting to figure things out. And if anything, what they're, what they're really doing is they're running the ball well and they're playing defense. Brees Hall has been a revelation, the running back second round pick from Iowa State. But I will just tell you, I did not think this guy could be the leader of a winning football team. Jets have now won three straight. And listen, if you can win at Lambeau Field, if you can win at the former Heinz Field, I don't even know what they're calling where the Steelers play anymore. You can win anywhere. The Jets now facing the Broncos this weekend. Don't see why they can't go on a little bit of a run here, although they do have the Patriots next week. By the way, quick shout out, Robert Sala who wore a Hall High School t-shirt at the podium last week. That is my alma mater. He gave a shout-out to my high school football coach, Frank Robinson Jr. No big deal. All right, let's start to wrap where Aaron was right. See Paulo Bancaro? You see Paulo Bancaro on Wednesday night in his NBA debut? I know I said nobody cares about NBA regular season games, but I got to take a victory lap on this one. If you remember the day the NBA lottery happened, Everybody's saying, take Jabari Smith, the kid from Auburn. And I'm not saying Jabari Smith is a bad player. What I did say, though, was Paulo Bancaro is the best player in the draft. Orlando is not drafting for the next 10 years. They need a guy that can come in and contribute right away. Everybody says it's going to be Jabari Smith. I stuck with Paulo Bancaro. And on draft night, Paulo Bancaro went number one overall. But more importantly, Paulo Bancaro made his debut in the NBA on Wednesday night. And he went for a little ho-hum, 27 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Listen, this kid is going to be phenomenal in the NBA. I don't know if he's going to be one of the five best players in the league. I don't know if he can get Orlando out of the doldrums. But for the first time in a long time, I really do believe that Orlando has somebody worth watching. 
This kid is a star. And the thing that I loved following him throughout his high school career, and this is one thing because of my college basketball background, I get to do. I get to see kids as a sophomore in high school, as a junior in high school, as a senior in high school, as a freshman in college into the NBA. And when he was young in high school, he was really a low post back to the basket physical player. As time went on, he got more comfortable on the perimeter, more comfortable in his shooting, more comfortable in his playmaking. And you saw it on full display at Duke last year. Credit to Balo Bancaro, credit to the Orlando Magic. They made the right pick at number one. And I am so excited to see how his career unfolds. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I do think it is time for me to get out of here for the week. First of all, I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to the Aaron Torres. Subscribe, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions, gmail.com. Tell a friend, share the show. Uh, you know, we had some transition during that time where we were messing with microphones. The show is back. It's better than ever. Tell your friends if they, if, if they're not listening, they need to start doing so now. But with that said, that is all for this show. That is all for this week. And it is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torker. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F head. What are you doing, man? Unblock me, dude. I'll be back on Monday. New episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.